Well, as many of you have heard, Roe v. Wade has been overturned. And that has caused a lot of discussion and a lot of debate within the church. And it's time that we get to what does the Bible say. And on this episode of Real Talk with Jordan Riley, we're going to see, can you be a pro-choice Christian? Stay tuned. Welcome to Real Talk with Jordan Riley, where the real talk does not come from me. It comes directly from God's word. And today we're going to be discussing, can you be a Christian and pro-choice at the same time? Now, let me be very clear on the outset of this video. The answer is no. And we're going to back that up biblically and we're going to discuss what God's word says, not what our opinion is or what our experience is or our feelings, but what does God have to say about it? So in this first part, we're going to look at four things to back this up. We're going to look at creation, we're going to look at Christ, we're going to look at salvation, and we're going to look at God's word. And after we look at those, I'm going to give you five principles to consider as we ask the question again, can you be a pro-choice Christian? So first of all, let's start with creation. If you look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 4 through 30, each time the Lord created something, he said, it is good. But then in verse 31, after he creates male and female, he says, it is very good. He has a very high view of his creation, especially if you look at verse 27 of Genesis chapter 1, he says that male and female were created in his image. We are image bearers of the Lord. And I'm telling you, this is super important because we're just not a fish and we're not just a, a monkey or we didn't come out of ooze or goo or whatever like that. No, we, are, we bear the image of God. And so there's something very, very special about human beings that God creates. And so God takes it very seriously. So again, that's creation. Now let's look at Christ. Fast forward, open, you know, go in your Bibles to the New Testament. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse about 43 and 44. You're going to see a story where Mary, who's pregnant with Jesus, who's God in the flesh by the Holy Spirit, Mary comes to go see her cousin Elizabeth. And as she does that, Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. So she's, there's two, a picture of two unborn babies. They're in the mother's wombs. And when Mary comes into the, the room in verse 44 of chapter 1 of Luke, it says right there, it says, The baby leapt for joy. He literally jumped for joy inside the mother's womb. Look at how God is putting the spotlight on the unborn. That's not, John was not just a clump of cells. John wasn't some just, you know, kind of thing that could be killed or whatever. No, there was special care to talk about how John, an unborn baby, who already had a name, by the way, was identified, responded to God Almighty. Super important. You have to see that. God takes very special care to talk about how we're image bearers and the preborn are already under his control are some of that he is knitting together and weaving together. Also, you can find that in Psalm 139 verses 13 through 16, how God knits us together in our mother's womb. He takes the care. He's the one that creates life and he sustains it, cares about it, and is going to protect it. Now let's look at salvation. Salvation in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. Let's read that a second. It says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. 
You have to understand this, guys. When it comes to salvation, when we have been saved, when Jesus chooses to save us, we are no longer our own. We give up ownership. And the ownership is transferred over to Christ. He's the one who shed his blood for us. We didn't shed our blood for ourselves. We can't save ourselves. And so when, we are, when we're saved, we are now under new management. Okay, we, Our bodies are not our own. My body is not mine. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit who it's under the control of Christ. And so too many people in the pro-choice movement say, you know, it's my, hey, my body. I can do what I want and keep your hands off my ovaries and stuff. And I'm telling you right there, when you're in Christ, when you're a Christian, you're not like the world. Okay, We're under the lordship of Jesus Christ, not ourselves. Okay? And then let's look at God's word. What does God's word have to say about this? Let's go to Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. And this is a very strong language because there's not very many times in, in the Bible where you see God saying he hates something. Now, granted, there, are, there, there's, there is there. I mean, look at Psalm 5, 5. God hates those who practice sin. But look at Proverbs 6, verses 16 and 17. This is what it says. It says, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. Now, I'm going to stop there and not give you the rest of the list. But did you see that in verse 17? Hands that shed innocent blood. Let me be very clear. There's nothing more innocent than a baby that is still in the mother's womb. It needs to be protected, nurtured, um, watched over. Fed. I mean, you know, that's why, you know, you don't sit there and you don't see pregnant women sitting there doing crack and, and sitting there having alcohol because it's really hurting the baby. And so we're to protect, we're to stand for life. And God hates people who kill and take innocent life. You have to see this, guys. This is very, very important about what God has to say. This isn't Jordan's opinion. This is what God's word says. Now, let's take a look at five principles. I think this is important for you to get a, a, a hold of these five principles to really see when we, when we consider, can a Christian be pro-choice? Number one, people who say they love God and his creation must also honor the life that God has placed in the womb. If you say that you love God and you love his creation, that includes the pre-born. Because guess what? Who, who's the one who knit uh, the babies together in the mother's womb. Again, we talked about that in Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. God did that. God's the one who creates life, and he's the one who honors life. And we are to do the same thing if we say we love and follow God. Principle number two, to follow Jesus means that we are to follow all that he stands for. We don't get to pick and choose things in the Bible like it's trail mix. I don't know about you, but when I get trail mix, I get a big bag of trail mix. I go right for the M&Ms and the cashews because those are my favorite. But we don't get to treat God's word like that. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? When we come to Christ, when we are a Christian who's been saved by Christ, we are to follow and obey his commands. We might not like everything. It might be a hard pill to swallow. But let me tell you, we are commanded to obey. And so when the Lord stands up and he protects life and he says, you're not to kill. Remember, Exodus chapter 20, verse 13 says, thou shalt not murder. And so if God is protecting life and saying not to murder, 
who are we to say, well, you know, I, I, I really, you know, I, I, I'm pro-choice. You know, I, I think people should be able to kill whoever they want. No, I'm sorry, guys, but that is not permissible. Principle number three, people who love God show it by loving the least of these, which include the pre-born. Look at Matthew 25, verse 35. Jesus is talking about when you, that we're to love the least of these. And when we do love the least of these, who need us, by the way, they're hungry, they're imprisoned, they're sick, they're naked, they're, they're hurting. These people need assistance to survive. And he says, when you look out for the least of these, you are doing it unto Christ himself. And so that includes the preborn. Okay, there's nothing more vulnerable, nothing that needs assistance more than those who are still in the mother's womb, not yet born. And God values that life. And we are to do that as well. Number four, we are justified when Jesus saves us. But as we are sanctified, we will agree with God's word and submit to it. Now, what that's saying is this. If you look at Galatians 2.20 as a reference verse, that when we come to Christ, you know, we're not going to know everything. We're not going to have everything totally correct the minute we get saved. But as we grow in Christ, as we look to his word, as we desire to obey him, like we talked about in Luke 6.46, that we will desire to follow what he says. We will submit to his word. Again, God's word is the standard. Our opinions are not the standard. And so we've got to follow what God has to say. And again, we've talked about it already in his word, what he thinks about, about life, what he thinks about taking innocent life. He's very clear. And we must submit to that, not to our opinions. And number five, as Christians, and you need to get this, we conform our lives and values to Christ, not conform Christ to our values and our life. Remember, Back to 1 Corinthians, we talked about that he's bought us with his blood, okay? You know, that our, our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. He's the master. So when we come to Christ, okay, we don't go and say, you know what, it's, it's my way. No, we look and see what is God's way, okay? So when we see something, we have to look and say, what does God have to say about this? Not what does Jordan have to say about this or what does my friend have to say about it or my parents no, it's always got to be, what does God's word have to say? And by the way, let me be very clear. God's word as a Christian is our ultimate and final authority. Okay? Not our opinions, or our feelings, or our experiences, or what people or the culture has to say. And again, don't get me wrong. It's hard sometimes to stand for the truth. Okay? It'll get you unfriended, blocked. It'll get you hated. But again, Jesus said in John, he said that we would be hated on account of him. So please understand as a Christian, we stand for Christ, not for the culture. That's what's important to know. So is there such thing as a pro-choice Christian? No, there's not. Because as Christians, we, we are different from the world. Constantly, we are, we're set apart. The church is the ecclesia, ecclesia. That means the called out ones. We're no longer to be going along with the patterns of this world. And as Christians, we are to hate what God hates and we are to love what God loves. And let me be very, very clear. God is pro-life. He hates murder. He hates tearing apart some, you know, an innocent life that we've talked about in Proverbs. So knowing that God is pro-life and being a follower of Christ, we as Christians must be pro-life as well. 